Hello humans, hello humans. It's like uh, 10 after eight. It's on the 26th of January, making another run into uh, inland for the dog to take him in to get seen again. Uh, he's actually doing better, but he hasn't eaten in eight days. This is the eighth day that we've had this leg crises. Um, so I, I've got to get him in and, and they've got to adjust uh, the meds that he's on, although he's doing better. Uh, I just need to have that um, corrected so that he gets back onto some food. Uh, he's eaten very little in these last eight days, understandably. Anyway, so go to chat for a while. Uh, I don't know if this will end up getting uploaded or not. It's going to depend on a number of factors, including the, um, uh, the device here, the, my storage device on the um, little recorder. Uh, okay, so there's a, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, really should go watch uh, JC um, at Beyond Mystic on Rumble and watch the uh, show they did yesterday uh, Beyond the Woo about the uh, deep fakes, okay? And how much of our social order is actually uh, built around deep fakes, you know? So the Twin Towers were, were came down, but it wasn't uh, a bunch of terrorists. That was all faked. Uh, George Bush and, and the... Uh, Elohim worship cult uh, created the 9-11 thing. Um, the towers were not struck by airplanes. Uh, if you see the um, uh, show from um, JC, he had Jay Widener and Kerry Cassidy on there. And uh, Jay Widener can prove to you pretty conclusively that there was never any airplane, right? There was just never any airplane debris anywhere. There was also never any airplane debris in the Department of Defense. And I happen to know a guy. So I worked with this guy. Uh, he was in his 40s uh, when that happened. No, he was in his, he was in his 30s uh, in uh, 2001, right? And I was working with him. I was doing a stint at state government. I'd been asked to do a, a special task, basically be a change agent and cause a, um, a disruption in a dysfunctional IT department for, for one of the... Um, uh, state agencies, right? And uh, because of my presence and because of my knowledge and because of the fact that I just don't tolerate bullshit, when people would pop off with technical uh, crap, you know, just could not happen, was absolutely bogus, I would, um, you know, call them on it, right? Whereas a lot of other people may have been because of, you know, their long-term employees, they, you know, they want to get along, all of that kind of stuff. And I am distinctly not a normie, so it didn't bother me to say, hey, dude, you're, you're out of your mind. You know, that that particular device you want to purchase will not do um, video compression. Um, and so it's not going to aid our department in doing um, conferences between buildings, right? It's a nice device. It was a cool router and that kind of thing. But if you go and read the technical description of the compression, it wouldn't work on video. And wouldn't even try. So anyway, so uh, I was doing all of that, and this guy that was the head of that department, his brother, uh, I think he was still in the Navy, 
okay so his brother was in the navy at that point or uh, had shortly or had previously very close to that period um, gotten out of the navy and he was uh, being a consultant or something but for whatever reason on that day at that time he was at the pentagon and was walking into the building um to, to on uh not directly opposite from where the um uh, the attack took place but just off on the side like two two of the sides of the pentagon uh removed right and uh he uh so his brother uh out of the corner of his eye saw a fucking missile uh you know he saw and this guy's a navy ordnance fellow and he knew what he was looking at and so it was no airplane there was no airplane that hit the pentagon it was a missile there was also an explosion um, inside the Pentagon that, that occurred milliseconds before the missile hit. Uh, so, so the uh, office of the auditor, which was destroyed because they were, um, you know, this is with the destruction of all of the dirt on the Bush family and all of that, right? Um, that's why they brought down building number seven and burned all of the contents of it. It wasn't struck by any airplanes. It just magically fell to pieces. Um, you know, and they don't really have an explanation and they just sort of defy you to call them on it and, and say, hey, dude, this is, you know, this is bogus. But in any event, um, so this guy was walking into the Pentagon and saw the missile out of the corner of his eye. He was actually in the parking lot and he's walking over towards this particular door there. He had a meeting with some people um, so it wasn't like he was going into work, but he was he was on his job going into to a meeting at that time, and the the explosion happened, right? But he saw the missile, and he was he was convinced that we were under attack by the Russians or somebody, right? That missiles would be raining down everywhere. And then of course we find out it's our own politicians and it's a put up job. Um, yeah, good boy. Um, so anyway. Uh, so fascinating show. It lays out for you a lot of what the um, uh, Wu people have been dealing with all of these years, right? No one would believe us when we would say these things, and they weren't in a mindset to receive that information. So there's no point talking to them about it. If they're not ready to hear, you're just wasting your time. Early in the morning, I need coffee. Um, gonna be a long day. I expect we'll be there for a number of hours. I've got to get some radiology on him to make sure that we don't actually have any kind of bleed. Pretty sure he doesn't. We've recovered his mucus. Thank you very much, Ken um, uh, Swartz and, and Chris and Jess and everybody at uh, C60 Purple Power. Uh, I've been giving it to him. He's got energy because of that and he is indeed repairing his gut. And we've gone through the issue of uh, rebuilding the mucus lining. So I'm very, very pleased about Boris's progress. This is a little diversion here. Uh, it's just that he's not yet eating and I need to get, and the, the medicine they gave us to stimulate appetite is simply not effective on him. And so that's why we're heading in and it, it needs to be done anyway. So, all right. So Jay has the show. He shows you a lot, not, not anywhere near all, right? I mean, but a lot of the, um, deep fakes that have been causing us to, uh, like all of us as a populace, to react, right? So that's what they want. They want to react. They don't want a response. So my response on 9-11 when I was out walking the dogs here, um, 
uh, different dogs, but I was out walking dogs along my street uh, in like in the afternoon and ran into one of our neighbors uh, who was out for her jog. And she's all, this is on the day of 9-11, and she's all trashed and, you know, oh, we're under attack and so on. And it's like, what do you say to her, you know? Uh, you got to say, no, I don't believe any of it, you know, that, that the, there were no Arabs, this is impossible, the planes can't do that, and yada, 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 and because she's not going to be accepting of it. And so it was just no point. It's just that, you know, I, I basically indicated, because that's the kind of guy I am, that I didn't believe any of it, but I didn't go into any of the details. And so, you know, obviously she thinks I'm a little crazy because the rest of the population believed it all and it was on TV and stuff, right? Anyway, um, so Jay and, and um, uh, JC and uh, JC stands for Jean-Claude, Jean-Claude Trottier, uh, Beyond Mystic. Um, and Carrie Cassidy went into a lot of these deep fake things, right? Carrie uh, Cassidy was, she's a little bit intense, okay? So I, I dispute uh anything she's got to say about AI because she actually said that AI does not require a computer. And it's like, okay. She says it can attach to stuff and can attach to um, people even. And so, you know, so this to me is that she's got AI confused with demons or something, some kind of non-corporeal but yet self-directed uh, life form. Okay, so um, anyway, so so I dispute all of that, uh, and and of course I think that this uh, prisoner, uh, this murderer, convicted murderer, life in prison, is just playing her. He's just gaming her. He's just telling her so much bullshit. He's the one that's has been feeding her all this shit about AI being able to float around in the air and attach to people, and how there's a single alien AI running our planet. And it's like, okay, woman, you know, she obviously has never used it. She never programmed. She doesn't understand that these machines are not conscious. It's just other people like myself that have written really good uh, programs that mimic um, effective language. Thus, you think you're talking to something sentient, right? And um, so uh, it, it's not really, I mean, there's just... You know, you turn off the machine and there's no consciousness there. There's no awareness. And it would have to get to the same stage in the program in order to even come close to, to like, picking up the conversation or whatever, right? So, anyway, so she's very deluded about AI and is deluded about this idea that whistleblowers have authority. Now, she gives them authority, okay? So, she agrees with uh, Captain Mark Richards. He's not a captain. Uh, he's a convicted prisoner. A murderer and a, um, a conspiratorial murderer, right? So he induced other people to kill for him. Anyway, uh, and also he was a science fiction writer. And so, you know, Carrie is non-discriminatory, right? She doesn't use discrimination at all. She doesn't use what they call um, uh, discernment. Hang on. There we go. Anyway, um, sorry. So she doesn't use uh, discernment on this and, um, and just accepts with this guy, this bullshit that this guy's fed her. Same thing is true of William Tompkins. And, she, and Carrie and um, Jay get into kind of a little 
you know, raised voice tussle there as Jay objects to her intruding on the show with what basically is, um, uh, you know, horseshit uh, illusion child stories from a convicted murderer and an old man who was in his 80s or 90s who was taken advantage of, fed a bunch of misinformation, and regurgitated it back out on command, thinking he was doing good and was going to make some money. Uh, and Jay Widener investigates, right? Jay's not a, not stupid. Uh, Jay's a very, very, very talented, serious fucking person. And so if you took Jay to Russia and you introduced him around, everybody's going to say, yeah, that's a serious man. Uh, you know, he's not, um, he's not a Corey Good, right? This is a serious individual. Anyway, though, so I trust Jay's analysis and the fact that he always comes back to, you know, solid reality and says, no, no, there was no airplane. And look, here's, here's how you know that. Um, so anyway, um, also, by the way, people were videotaping the towers and you can go out and search for these videotapes and find them and you see the towers just exploding. So people in New York on that day were videotaping this whole thing as, a, as first tower blows up, starts problems. Somebody starts, a lot of people were actually recording uh, one on videotape, right? So not digital, but on video, uh, which is a difference in a second, I'll tell you. But, um, uh, and they, um, they recorded the, uh, the second building exploding, right? No fucking airplane. But at the same instant, the guy is recording this. He's standing... Uh, this one one video, he's standing near a store that has a lot of TVs in the in the windows. This is off somewhere else in New York, but he's able to have a view of the Twin Towers. So I don't know New York, I don't know where he was or any of that, but there's this, this electronics store near him, and you see TVs in the background showing the planes, uh, or a plane hitting the second... Um, second building there as he is recording that no that did not happen as he's recording that you know um nothing was going on he's just it was just simply exploding on its own but anyway go go watch this and you'll see about that uh you'll see how many of the um events of our lives uh are bogus and they're counting on the fact that you're a normie. You're not awake to this. You're not going to stitch all these things together in your mind. So you're not going to catch on. You're simply going to react. And that's what they want, is they want that reaction. Because that reaction was a, was a sufficient for them to engineer us attacking Afghanistan. Afghanistan never attacked us. Iraq never attacked us. Libya never attacked us. <coughs> all this shit. And we have to acknowledge that in the 100 plus years that we've had, 110 years that we've had a central bank in the United States, that central bank has had to cause the United States to initiate, to start 251 wars in order to prop up the dollar uh, through its various problems because it's a piece of shit, uh, because it's a bogus scheme. So anyway, the bogus scheme is coming to an end now. That's why all this, this stuff is coming out. And we're um, being immersed in the, uh, uh, the degradation of the uh, official narrative. And this is the point of hypernovelty. Is, I mean, this is the point we're tipping over into hypernovelty because we're not going to go back. We're not going to go back to the point where people, more people believe... Uh, you know, 
9-11. Uh, and so if you go read Russian history books, they say Trump won and, and all of our elections since the 1980s have been stolen. And maybe all of our elections since 1968 have been stolen um, by various means. Uh, anyway, though, so, uh, so other countries see clearly what's going on here. And they're just, you know, in our country, they're just counting on you not being able to read Russian and not being curious and so on. And that's just the way of the world for them, is they keep you fat, dumb, and, um, and ignorant. Uh, they don't really care if you're happy or not. Just as long as you're not so angry, you're going to take action against them. Uh, got about an hour and 20 minutes to make it there, so I'll just barely be able to do it. It's a long drive for me to get into anywhere here, especially where we've got to have uh, some level of sophisticated uh, medical equipment. Anyway, so uh, I may end up having to, you know, put these on pause based on um, how much uh, traffic and stuff I encounter. Just a heads up. Anyway, though. All right, so uh, the Neradyme is crumbling. It's going to expose all of this shit anyway. This is a natural event of the um, uh, changing of the energies here and the changing of humanity. And this is what I think has really got these guys really freaked out is the ferocity and the ferocity of the um, response to their scams. So many people are waking up. It's like, and we're just not taking this bullshit anymore, right? No more bullshit. That's the way it is. You tell me something that's horseshit, I'm going to, you know, just in a casual conversation, I'm going to say, no, that ain't right. You know, you're deluded. This is, you know, nothing against you, but, you know, you've been sold a bill of goods by these um, uh, fucktards. Uh, let's see. Yeah, hang on, Boris. We'll do it. Anyway, um, so Jay... Um, is oh he's going to be producing a lot of uh, information about all this stuff, all the deep fakes and so on, and showing how they're they're done. Um, now we'll get into that. We'll tear it apart. We'll be tearing apart history. We're going to go all the way back. We'll expose Tartaria and how all of this stuff has been manipulated by the Elohim worship cult all of these years. And that's really what it is: is that the the worship cult is doing that. It's um trying to organize all of this stuff. Now, I believe that, okay, so let me let me stop and talk for a, about AI for a minute, okay? So in the 1940s, when these uh, spaceships started being crashed, they weren't, they weren't crashing, they were being shot down, right? So we had um, um, two or three, okay, so we've had two or three major radar experiments going on in the late 30s and in the 40s, and sometime along that period of time, they discovered that uh, they could bring these things down with these intense uh, radar beams that uh, disrupt the technology that these uh, UFOs used. Now, I'm assuming it's better now, the technology, I mean. But um, when they did that, they brought down these UFOs. We get the, the retrieval stuff going here. Are you doing okay, Delgo? Yep, okay. Um, we get these um, 
uh, crash retrievals. And what do they find? <coughs> they find a lot of stuff they don't understand. But they do understand some of it after they dig around into it for a few years. And so we get crashes in uh, 45 and or 42, 45, and 47 that yield uh, significant um, chunks of technology to mess with. And, and so we discover, and then start introducing into our social order in the 50s, we discover digital electronics. And uh, basically... Uh, uh, transformative um, silicon chips okay so they're semiconductors they, they are transducers they can do a lot of different things now they were able to uh, so our scientists were able to, to uh, tease that shit out of the um, of these wrecks and they were able to do it so that they understood it and they could uh, you know go find people uh, and use those people to introduce the technology into our social order so this is how they created the tech industry and this is how they directed the tech industry. So they made people millionaires. They chose them and, and you know, that was the whole point was to get our society uh, starting to get uh, level, so to speak, with the space aliens or whoever the fuck they are, wherever they come from. I don't buy interdimensionals and, I, and for a bunch of reasons I can do energy calcs uh, that would tend to dispute the idea. Okay, and they also dispute the idea that living flesh can go through um, an energetic portal like a black hole. I understand that the uh, current quantum mechanics guys are saying that this is quite possible. However, they're basing everything that they know on Einstein, and Einstein's 100% wrong and was bogus, and he was putting out a um, designed shill story to keep us in a particular level of of um, advancement with this technology and it worked and so for like ever since Einstein came on in and started spewing out all of his general relativity crap uh, we've uh, abandoned the ether we've had no major progress we've had no major breakthroughs only incremental changes up until the point that they introduced silicon chips and then after that only incremental changes in the silicon chips so we should have been able to go way the fuck beyond that in a hundred years and it just is not happening um, so, uh, okay, so, <laughs> all right, so when these ships crashed, uh, the rumors were, uh, in the late 50s, which I encountered in the late 60s, the rumors were that there was stuff they didn't understand, and, like, in a serious way, and so they just sort of shelved it, right? Figuring that, well, we'll understand it in a few years. Let's just put it away and go look at this other stuff in the meantime. Which they did. Um, so the rumor was that they were putting these, uh, these aspects of the, this technology aside for later examination. One, uh, two of the things that they put aside for later uh, were the... Um, the... Uh, the concept of uh, centralized computer control self-directed within the device. Okay, so the quote AI, the artificial intelligence that allowed the UFO to fly. Another thing that they uh, put aside was um, this idea that, uh, or was the idea that part of the ship is alive. Okay, that this amalgamated uh, aluminum, magnesium, 
uh, you know, all of these various different metals all smushed together in this particular um, arrangement at a subatomic level, uh, the skin on the outside of the skin had stuff that was basically alive that you could scrape it off and it would have been identified by a biologist as being biological material, even though it was integrated with a mechanical device. And that even after that, the mechanical device was in some way integrated to uh, what we can think of as electronic control. But it's not electronics as we understand it, and it's not AI as we understand it, right? So our AI, as I have shown in my video on BitChute, is basically a collapse of potential around the number of uh, links between uh, significant nodes in a large language model. Now, here's something for Kerry Cassidy, right? So, uh, both Jay Widener and I have, have um, uh, programmed computers. I've done it very extensively. I was paid to program computers for a lot of years. Uh, I programmed for Microsoft, for Sun Computing, for telcos, uh, for the government, for the military. Uh, I did some on my own and I have patents. Okay. I have, I, I contributed significant stuff to major patents in the telephony industry. I contributed stuff, um, to major patents for corporations and for the military, uh, in encryption, uh, you know, very sophisticated algorithms. Um, and I also have patents for my own software. Uh, most of the software was, is now been rendered useless by the, the new kind of a monitor because I was doing software that would affect your brain and these new monitors are so powerful and have such a giant amount of blue light that I've shelved all of those patents, taken them off, you know. I mean, the patents are still there, but I've taken all that software off and I don't sell it or support it anymore because of the potential that it can cause brain damage or at least brain uh shorts, so to speak. I mean, short your brain out for a while. Uh, that kind of thing, right? Because I was looking for the, the powerful edge of computing. So, you know, to Carrie Cassidy, it's like, well, Carrie, I've got fucking patents and you've got a murderer. All right. So I'm going to take my idea on AI over your murderer's idea on AI. And no, David Adair is not a particularly brilliant fellow. And no, he has no ability to discriminate as to whether or not an AI is, quote, alive or sentient, right? Because AI is designed to fool our consciousnesses. Uh, anyway, so uh, now getting back to the spaceship. So they, they crashed this. They, they caused this ship to crash. It gets uh, shelved in Area 51, S4, who the fuck knows. But they're not investigating it now uh, because, uh, at, or they weren't investigating it in the 40s and 50s because they didn't have enough of an understanding. It didn't have enough of a technical base or minds that had been familiar with the technology to be able to make any kind of um, uh, meaningful conclusions from any sort of an investigation. In fact, at the time, they were having a difficult time just um, creating the kind of experiments and coming up with a narradigm that would, would allow them to investigate this stuff in a meaningful fashion. So it's only now that we're applying terms like AI to these uh, spaceship control systems. Okay, so I said in 2017 that I believe they had AI and I believe they didn't understand it and I believe that they isolated it and uh, I don't know if they've taken it out of wrappers since then. 
okay? So I don't have any current information on it, but the information that I had uh, that dried up, and I do all the linguistics, so I, I really hunt deeply and see if there's any threads and so on and cross-compare, analyze all the language. So I'm pretty convinced that we haven't had any uh, new developments relative to this, uh, to either the alien form of AI or the... Um, uh, the biological material in integrated with uh, both the amalgam and the uh, silicon chips. Now, here's what you have to understand. The AI that they were dealing with in that ship is connected to the biological material on the outside of it, and perhaps on the inside of it as well. I don't know. You know, they haven't let me examine any of them. Um, and no, by the way, I just, again, for Kerry's reference, I do not believe that uh, Adair touches a, a UFO and it responds to him and he's able to control it. So, anyway, yes, it is mind-to-machine interface, okay? There's no doubt about that. Yes, you need the AI for that mind-to-machine interface, but there's a whole lot of um, uh, slips between the lip and the cup on that particular concept. So, anyway... Our AI that they're dealing, or the AI that they're dealing with, is not like our AI. The AI they're dealing with is analog AI, and that's why they had such a difficult time in uh, assessing all of this. They, we were an analog society. We shot down. We used analog uh, tube-powered, um, radioactive tube-powered uh, radar to shoot these fuckers down, and uh, when we did so. Um, uh, we discovered, uh, using our analog uh, tools, you know, our, our electrical meters, etc., 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 all analog powered, we discovered digital technology because we, it was instantly apparent that this was the, their main control system, or what we thought of as the main control system for these ships, was not analog. And so this was a big shock to us. We developed the silicon chips and so on, and then I get born about that time. In the, in the 50s, and now myself and a whole generation, we've had a lot of um, interaction with digital. We know digital really fucking well. You know, I'll dream code. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it. <laughs> Those times that I dream, uh, sometimes I'll just dream code and, and like beautiful little design patterns and shit. But in any event, so um, uh, the, 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 it's the combination. It is the uh, translation from analog into digital that was was uh, sort of defeating uh, their particular uh, approach to this. Now, maybe, of course, in all these years, they've got better people down there, etc., etc., and we've gone beyond these issues. I think that to be the case, okay? So, I think it's not a belief system. It's just that I have enough evidence and rumors and stuff to think that there is a significant probability that it is true that um, the um, that the corporations, independent corporations, do have uh, control over working models uh, or working alien reproduction vehicles, ARVs, and that they're out doing shit with them. And I don't blame them. Okay, so if I were a corporation and I got this, this they had to, by the way, the government, in order to have the ability to have 
in order to have deniability, to be able to say, no, we don't know shit about any of this crap you're talking about, um, in order to have that, they had to hand over all of the technology to private parties, which they did to these corporations. Now, they don't know me. I, I'm just as hypoth hypothetical back in the day. And they, I'm in a corporation, and they hand me that technology. You know, and I investigate it for, you know, uh, 20 years. In that process of becoming very familiar with it and so on, the fucking idea is going to dawn on me, why should I give this to these asshole government guys that are always threatening me and making my life difficult? Why don't I just keep it to myself and feed them some bullshit, put them off on some trails that, that you know, we know are dead ends, and, and not worry about the fucking government, because pretty soon, once I've got a couple of these alien reproduction vehicles flying around, I'm effectively uh, my own fucking country in terms of military power. Um, and so I'm quite certain that some of these companies have done that. Um, I would suspect that we're looking at uh, Raytheon, uh, Lockheed Martin, um, and a couple of the other aerospace companies as being the most likely. And I think that we've got a real... Uh, quote, solid, unquote, rumors that support the idea that for sure Lockheed Martin and uh, Raytheon are involved. And of course, Jet Propulsion Laboratory and all these kind of fuckers as well. But in terms of the corporations actually having alien reproducting vehicles, reproduction vehicles and running around um, doing shit with them and getting seen and all of that kind of thing as UFOs and interacting with our military and stuff, I, I think it's most likely uh, Lockheed Martin with Raytheon for um, what we would think of as, a, you know, advanced tech support. So anyway, our, um, our corporation at this stage can do anything the fuck it wants. It wants to go to the moon, zoom, there it goes, right? Because we, we understand some of this. How much of the AI they understand, I have no way of knowing. But here's the thing. We do not have, uh, up until, okay, so up until um, about two years ago, maybe three years now, let's see, 23. Yeah, so up until 2020, there was no sign of an effective, there was no sign of even an investigation into um, analog computing. And there was always people doing it. It's fun. I enjoy it. It's a lot, in my opinion, it's a lot better than, um, much more fun than um, digital computing. Uh, but the failure with analog computing is that there's not a, an effective way to transfer software into analog. And so now we've got this, a bunch of companies in this last three years that are coming out with this um, ability to write code that can then be uh, pressed down, compiled and pressed down on uh, and control um, analog devices in a way that it, it's a, an effective computing structure. So as a programmer, basically you're always testing for conditions. You know, is this, is this pin hot? Is that pin not hot? Right? So if this particular pin on an 8-pin chip is hot, you've got electricity coming in at this, at this level, then do this. Right? If it's not hot, don't do that. And so it's a, it's a sort of a binary thing uh, dealing with it. Now in, um, and, and by hot, 
we have a definitive threshold that it must meet in order for that to qualify. So it's got to be at, you know, uh, plus or minus, um, uh, well, I think usually about a tenth of a volt uh, uh, there, but in any event, so, uh, so basically you're just watching voltage and once it goes over a threshold, then you decide that, okay, that, that condition has now been met and that this pin is hot. In analog computing, it's not that way. In analog computing, you have a situation of um, the pin is hot and receiving uh, electricity, and that electricity varies, could vary quite wildly and widely, um, and your, your device is aware of that variance continuously. So there is not this idea of a threshold. There is not a cross the threshold in order to turn this digit from one to zero. Uh, it's at zero in analog and it's slowly creeping up into a condition that where it will be one. And in analog computing, you know the, the amount of the creep, the incremental amount of the creep, the speed of the creep uh, of electricity into the device, et cetera, et cetera. So you know all of these things at a, at a very much nuanced level. Digital cuts you off from any electricity nuance. Good boy. He's just lying back there, just quite content. I think he's, I think he's actually feeling better, even though he hasn't really eaten for eight days. And uh, he knows we're going to see uh, his buddies at the, um, at the vet. So he knows we're doing things for him. So he's somewhat content with all of this. Much more so than us. Um, just been hellacious these last. Well, he was sick for like two plus weeks before we had this big crash. So we've been going at this for like three weeks now over three weeks, but since um, he hasn't eaten in eight days, that eight days is critical at one level. Anyway, um, so analog computing is all about electrical nuance, right? It's really cool stuff from a programming viewpoint, especially if you can write code uh, that will interact with it. And I won't go into why that's uh, such a huge issue. Oh my God, giant load of lumber stuck blocking the road. Okay, good. He's going to make it. <coughs> it's a semi with a little extension off the back. That is a big load of lumber. They've had people out there directing um, traffic around these trucks as they try and get on the freeway. Shit. You got five axles in the back. Almost a low boy. Lumber for Sierra Pacific. Looks like uh, dimensionals, two by fours, two by sixes, something like that. It's all wrapped up, so or could be plywood. Anyway, um, so analog computing is is all about nuance. Uh, you get to see the uh, various shades uh, uh, of the electricity creeping around, and you can make all kinds of decisions. So instead of being able to make uh, decisions off of reaching a threshold and then have various different kinds of branches, you can set those branches in your code relative to fine nuance within the electrical uh, operation of the device that's reporting to you. So in my opinion, analog, analog computing is just really fucking cool. I like it a lot. I, especially since I like programming little handheld devices and things, right? Uh, you know, now that I'm not doing big stuff for people. Anyway, though, so um, three years ago, 2020, we started seeing uh, language saying 
hey guys, we're investigating analog computing here again, and isn't it cool? And so I thought, hmm, this is odd. We haven't touched analog computing since the 50s when we swapped over into the digital computing in the 60s. So basically, what the fuck is going on, right? And um, that um, uh, just the mere fact that we started having language around analog computing uh, got me, my interest peaked. Not only as a, on a personal level, oh, can I get one of these critters and program it, you know, have fun playing with it, but also uh, the idea that, okay, maybe, maybe uh, we're moving into um, a hybrid world now. Maybe they've, they've in their, maybe they're the, the powers that be, the Elohim worship cult, the uh, deep state, whoever the fuck we want to think about having control of this is now starting to introduce um, this level of computing into our society where it had not in the past. And, and that would be that would be great. I'd love that. Um, so, <laughs> so, but anyway, so that that could be a trigger. Could be telling us that they have at least overcome that particular issue relative to these UFOs uh, at an officialdom level to the point that they're putting it out into the social order. Or it could be that that the same condition is existent that we have overcome this this barrier. And it's being done at a corporate level, independent of the government. So at this point, we just can't say anymore. Go and watch um, uh, JC and, and Jay Widener and Kerry and look at how much of the world is a deep fake. And um, you'll see what I'm talking about and the potential issues as to why that is meaningful. So... We're at that point of hypernovelty, and I expect in hypernovelty to have um, major new invention uh, just naturally as we uh, throw off all of the constraints that you would find in places from uh, places like um, you know the Einsteinian uh, general relativity uh, cul-de-sac, that sort of thing. get a wiggle on here if I'm going to get us in there on time. I'll just barely make it. Anyway. So, we may see breakthroughs in AI, but here's the deal. I think they have had AI since the 50s, but that AI is not loose. That AI is not um, a general AI that was a specific device-based AI that they're not able to, uh, that, that they wouldn't want to even remove from the ship and try and make it do stuff anywhere else, right? So AI does not exist. It's simply computer code. So if they, um, if they crack the <coughs> problems with the um, analog-based AI in these UFOs, they're not going to try and, quote, lift it out of the UFO in any way. They're just we're going to write some code on another computer and, and create, uh, you know, something close to what they found. So AI is not discrete. It doesn't have any boundaries. Uh, it doesn't think. And, you know, Carrie is seriously deluded uh, about AI and is uh, 
fed further delusions by these people that she has assigned an authority to trust. Unfortunately for her now, I mean, I've already, okay, so way back in the day, like years ago, I did an interview with Carrie. I think I've only ever done one, and she muted me. She just could not stand me telling her that her information was wrong and that her people were lying. And look at her uh, response on um, JC's show yesterday uh, to Jay Whitener saying, the guy's lying. You know, the guy's full of shit. He's lying. William Tompkins was an old man and he lied. You know, he's not a whistleblower. You were, delu uh, you were deluded. You were duped. And you're continually duped by uh, this guy that you call Captain Mark Richards. And he's not a captain. He was never in the military. He, he wasn't out. Um, he's not in the Secret Space Force. His father was not in the Secret Space Force. And, you know, if she were to continue talking to him, pretty soon his great-grandfather would have been in the Secret Space Force back with, um, you know, Lincoln. That kind of shit, right? Uh... But, <laughs> so, anyway, so, uh, we do have alien AI on the planet, but it's, it's stuck in these, you know, in these UFOs that they captured. And nor would you want to, nor uh, could you, lift it out and put it on our digital infrastructure. It just is not going to happen. We'll go, sweetie. It's okay. You hang on. We're going to get there. You just hate it when your guys are ill. You know, you'd willingly take the pain, but it's not like I can eat for him, you know? <coughs> anyway, so um, so I've been dismissive of, of Carrie whenever she puts out technical information. And a lot of her witnesses, like some of them, George Green and a few of these other guys, were legit in their... Uh, jobs in NATO and so on, but because of where they worked, you can't be sure that they're not feeding you a bunch of horseshit, that they're not following their um, Elohim worship cult uh, proxy uh, rules from the Freemasons, right? That kind of thing. So the Freemasons are just Jews, just practicing Jewish rituals that have been cleaned up for the Goy, and that these Jewish rituals all go back to the Elohim and are part and parcel of what the Elohim demand that we do. And you're a fool if you don't see it. I think we're going to all see it here over this, these next couple of years, and that maybe a few years from now, Judaism won't exist, nor will uh, the Bible be seen as anything other than a deep fake, right? A big, big, big deep fake. I've seen some of the Bibles in Europe uh, that were... Uh, discarded in 325 uh, Common Era in the um, Council of Nicaea when they codified uh, the canons of the Bible and also later, I mean, they were working on the Torah and the Talmud all the way up into the 1300s. So, you know, they've been changing the book for a thousand fucking years. Anyway, so I've seen some of these other Bibles and they're not like, at all like... Um, uh, King James, not even like the Geneva Bible in terms of what they present. So, it, you know, it's a it's a deep fake world out there, and that that's all coming unraveled as part of hypernovelty. And this is gonna fuck fuck everybody up. All the normies, all of the academics. The only people that won't fuck up so much are gonna be the woo people and the um, uh, the Elohim worship cult uh, guys at the top. The politicians, they're so um, 
placid and uh, and controlled, they won't be seen freaking out probably uh, because they they don't you know they're too stupid to freak out. They don't really understand the the um, magnitude of what the fuck is happening. Although we are now getting language out of the mother weffers and the other control structure stuff that does say that these guys really do understand they've lost, that there's no hope now of their great reset. We've crossed that threshold, and they are simply fighting a, uh, a retreating uh, battle, right? They're just keeping you, uh, they're just fighting and fighting and fighting so that they can uh, keep what resources they've got hidden and hide more, hoping that when all this um, shakes out, we won't be able to find those resources that they've got hidden. And that's, that's fundamentally their, their strategy at the moment. Uh, not particularly a good strategy, in my opinion, uh, you know, but nonetheless, they're as trapped as anybody else. Now, so there's a bunch of baby boomers, <laughs> okay, like uh, myself. And I'm right smack in the middle of the baby boom. And we all ended up with a weird fucking kind of a life. This, this will include Jay Widener, and I'm sure he would agree if you asked him, that our lives are outside of the bounds of normality of our parents in a very, very, very um, significant way, and that um, uh, we had experiences that, that basically, I think, universe gave us these experiences so that we would be effective at this time. So universe creates people, and it creates people for its purpose. Okay, it doesn't care about us that way at a personal level. So no, uh, the current my my understanding of um, the nature of Creator God, the nature of universe, is that you know it doesn't know my name, right? Uh, and it doesn't matter that it doesn't know my name. That we don't relate that way. That's not an issue. For a lot of people, it is. They want this personal, uh, protective feeling kind of thing, right? I'm I'm like. Um, Max Egan, right? I face infinity without flinching, right? I've been dead. I remember being dead. So, so I know what's going to happen when I die again. And it's like, okay, all right. Not an issue. <coughs> anyway, though, <coughs> so our, um, our hyper novelty here is really starting to break out. So the reason you're listening to me is because of that hyper novelty. Otherwise, you wouldn't give a shit unless maybe you were a programmer or you're into some of this weird shit I'm into, right? It just would not be uh, anything that would be attractive to you to think about even listening to, wasting your time with. But, you know, universe made us as we are. It put us all here for this uh, stuff at this time. And we know we've crossed a significant threshold in the maturation of the awakening process. We know this because of all of the infighting, because of everybody bitching and moaning about each other and our, and our stupid foibles in uh, public in the woo, me, uh, woo movement. I won't say it's really a movement, but you know, the way of rolling through the woo that is all of us guys. Because the woo abides, it's there. We're simply floating through, so to speak, right? Passers-by. Uh, wandering. And we've got a lot of infighting. Carrie bitching at Jay, Jay bitching at Carrie, me bitching about Carrie, all of these kinds of things, right? And and uh, 
so if I disagreed with Jay, I would be bitching at him too. Actually, I think his conclusions are brilliant. <coughs> He's a great filmmaker. He likes making documentaries, but I would love to... to he, he has no interest in it, I don't think, but I'd love to get him to do a fiction movie just because of his skill. And I, I had some good ideas. We don't have the money or the inclination really to push to get it. And, and we've actually got the money. That's not the problem. It's getting the people and putting it together and then the, the decide why, you know, why do it at this point? Uh, I don't really need to ex uh, educate people uh, using films, but it would be a fun kind of a project for me to do. But I think we're going to have to do real life, not fiction anyway. So, um, so Jay's one of those guys where I would uh, quite happily uh, man the barricades and fight with him side by side. He's really intelligent, smart, analytical, and so on and so on. And so we're in this, in this place here where all of this shit's coming out, and there's a lot of infighting. It turns out that infighting in movements uh, is, is, reaches its peak just as those movements are successful. And psychologically, you can see why. Uh, so if we took the Bolshevik Revolution, there were a lot of Bolsheviks that were fighting with each other as they were becoming successful in 1918 and taking over uh, the Russian Duma, their Congress, and taking over the uh, Soviet Union, or taking over the Russian um, uh, government in order to build the Soviet Union out of it, right? And so at that point, when they're becoming successful, all of these uh, communists and Bolsheviks, all of whom were Jews, all of whom were Elohim worship cultists of the most foul kind, <coughs> were fighting among themselves. A bunch of them ended up getting um, uh, sent to gulags or killed, a lot, of, a lot of assassinations, gang warfare almost, uh, throughout um, Western Russia at that point in 1918. This was after Lenin had... had uh, been sent there by the Germans on a special train. Uh, so it, it happens with all the movements. In the um, American Revolutionary War, we have the same effect uh, just as the war is, is uh, becoming very successful and things start um, uh, shifting, indicating success, but also that success indicates there's a new order emerging, and as the new order emerges, people uh, basically, naturally, want to uh, stand up for themselves and carve out territory and that sort of thing. I don't care about that. I'm not interested in followers. I'm not trying to sell anything. My life is, my lifespan is um, uh, reasonably short here in terms of, you know, I don't have hundreds of years left or anything like that. And so I don't have any prompts for me to participate in trying to do that within the Wu movement. But you'll see people in the Wu movement, most of them much younger than myself, that will indeed uh, be trying to establish their credentials and um, basically uh, lay claim to their victories over these past uh, decades. And... Uh, that's just a natural part of it. It's also, this infighting is also a really fucking good sign that we're very close to topping, to coming over the top and then spilling out into the, uh, the next phase of things. Uh, and we may actually be actively doing the topping part of things now. Uh, especially based on the amount of increase of the 
uh, infighting and um, the depth of it, who's fighting about what, and so on. So I'm going to be uh, an iconoclast, atypical, because I'm going to fight people over technical inaccuracies, but not because I want any power, just because it irritates me that they're technically inaccurate. Uh, there are times you can be technically inaccurate, like my discussion with the AI was conceptual. I didn't get into the technical language, in which case we would have had to have defined all of the words and so on, and it's just quite tedious if you don't already have that base of knowledge. I don't want to educate you, right? I don't want to bring you through Computing 101 and Firmware 101 to get to a point where we could discuss the um, nuances that you find in... Um, analog versus digital uh, threshold computing. Got to deal with road hazards here. There are, one of our state routes is being all chopped up and rebuilt. So, uh, we're at this point. We're going to have these um, the infighting. We're going to cross over the threshold by about the first week in April. I just said April 3rd, but it doesn't matter. At the end of the first week in April, we should have most of the Wu people um, getting a new, in a new stance now, right? We won't be denigrated. We won't be held down by uh, the, the... They'll still try and push us down, the mainstream media, the deep state, and so forth, but we're going to get a lot of support from the normies that are going to just be tumbling into all of this. Necessarily, they will have to go to the... Um, the beginning stages to the early adopter uh, to the uh, how do I want to say it to the transitional people okay that are not laying it out too deep they're not um, getting into the real serious nitty gritty they're they're just getting you down one level so you see that level and so JC uh, he he's like a, from an in, from a beginning through to an intermediary to an intermediate level in terms of the education that you get out of watching JC's channel. You get all different kinds of information, <coughs> but he's not going to go down into the, the deep aspects of technical discussions relative to our science and our woo and that sort of thing. I'm certain he might want to, but his audience wouldn't be able to, to accept it. They're not going to sit there, for instance, and uh, listen to myself and someone else uh, debate about the uh, impact of the loss of the ether and why that occurred and what aspects of the ether were dis uh, disguised in the uh, fake deep fake experiment on the Mitchelson Morey experiment in the 1880s. Uh, yeah, it's just of no interest to these people. They're very much concerned about, uh, and they will be, about space aliens, about UFOs, about um, all of this sort of shit, right? And so we'll we'll get into that. So I expect this is the, is the so we've had the splits happen. The normies have moved away from mainstream media. Mainstream media is now dying and recognizes that, uh, especially at the corporate management level. We see all of the people that are getting laid off at all of the you know, all of the online rags, you know, the buzz feeds and all of the establishment supporting uh, websites, that sort of thing. We see this occurring. It is. Um, somewhat mature even, we're starting to see the organizations themselves fall apart. This, in my opinion, is very good, and it, and it is a, a definitive sign, because this is a sign of irreversibility. They won't be re reconstituting these 
uh, mainstream publications trying to uh, bamboozle the public. They're still going to try and bamboozle the public. They're just going to have to do it in a different way. So that, too, will also make our, our lives a little bit more interesting as this shit happens. Uh, this is a long one, I understand, guys. I'm going to end up having to shut this off in a little bit here as I get in towards uh, town and have to concentrate with the traffic. But, um, so, our, uh, our shift into hypernovelty is really an appreciation of it. All right, so we're into it now. It's flowing all around us. It's starting to, the whole system is starting to crumble like the cookie held too long in the milk. Little bits and pieces dropping off here, little bits and pieces dropping off there, that sort of thing. And um, it's now starting to become visible to everybody. So this is the beginning of that big change. By June, I expect that the, the larger mass of the normies will have had this hyper-novelty impact on them. Even if it's only to the point where... Uh, you know, some woman with purple hair wakes up one day and says, well, you know, where's BuzzFeed or, or you know, where is this or that kind of thing, right? Uh, you know, like they're bringing back, trying to bring back uh, Jon Stewart uh, to run The Daily Show to try and do here what they thought he was going to do in 2016 relative to Hillary Clinton. And, you know, in terms of propping up the establishment uh, in the um, leftist viewpoint of things. That's a sign of desperation. You know, it's not going to work. It's going to be a big failure. Everything they're going to do relative to the media is going to fail because now we're all looking at the media. Now we know a great deal more about how all this shit is done. And we're, we're basically not putting up with the bullshit anymore. So this is a, a very interesting time relative to that shift in our narrative. really pretty much covers what I wanted to go through there relative to the AI being locked into the old um, UFOs. And even if they were to connect the alien AI via, a, uh, you know, a USB cable uh, from the spaceship into the internet, it's like, eh, big fucking deal. You know, it has no sentience, see, it is not conscious, it's not conscious of itself. These things don't read. You know, so gene decode is just full of shit. It doesn't read the internet uh, ever. There's a lot of other aspects of this uh, that are developing, and we're um, pushing our way into a new reality here. And by that, it's sort of like we go into the woo and we push the woo around to get the shape of the reality that we want. And, th and that's the process that we're in at this moment. That process can be expected to accelerate rapidly from or through this spring and through summer. And then by fall, it should be accelerating so should be moving so fast that it won't be possible for most of the people to stand back and look at that process independent of what's going on because so much will be going on. It'll all be part of that process, but at that stage, you're going to just get captivated by all of the um, boiling minutiae of it all coming out.
we're about to have this pivotal moment. I think it, so what I think is going to develop is some kind of a standoff between Texas and these other states and the, in the beginning of American Revolution II, where it's us all revolting against the corrupt federal government, the deep state. And um, so I think we'll have some kind of a uh, standoff that'll go nearly a month until about uh, February 18th or so. That's just a guess on the, based on the um, building tension language within the uh, reports. Now, I have not gotten at, haven't been able to get at data for like, really, to process it, uh, for like three fucking weeks. And my, and my process is different now because I'm not doing mass web scraping. I'm doing targeted uh, uh, sampling and analysis. And it's much more difficult if I get a hit on, on an idea, for instance, uh, off of that. Then I have to go and fire up some other routines to validate that that's not a, um, a one-off or a misleading kind of a deal. <coughs> so very tedious now. And I'm only doing it for myself and to get a few hints of what's going on so that I can sort of put it out there so people would have a little bit of a heads up. Um, but I haven't done it for weeks because of poor Boris. And he's been so ill and I've got all these other things going on anyway. It was just like, eh, fuck it. Um, so between now and the 18th, uh, we'll have the Texas standoff be defined and then we'll have the resolution. And I expect there will be shots fired by whom, at whom, I have no way of knowing, but I suspect that, that these things will occur and that that will, will be the shot that sets off AMREV 2. And then thereafter, everything's going to be different, right? Uh, so we don't know how a lot of this stuff is going to manifest because humans have never been here before. Or rather, it's been so long that uh, humans have been in this particular situation that we can safely say that it's on the other side of the, uh, the Kali Yuga. So back uh, on the descending side of the Yugas is when we were last in a situation <coughs> where we had no uh, authority, we think. <coughs> we don't know because none of us have lived back seven and 10,000 years. But that there are indications, right? The way the houses are built, all this kind of stuff. So, in the shape of what's coming. So, now, I'm of the opinion that, uh, so I don't think that, that, I don't fear AI, you know, I don't buy into Carrie's fear porn, nor Gene Decode, nor any of these other fuckers that are hyping this, you know, be scared, be scared, AI is going to come and eat your lunch. Um, just don't, just don't accept it, you know, and, and probably most programmers don't, uh, also. There's a lot to worry about AI, but AI is its own uh, safety, so to speak. So if someone creates a... Now, you've got a perfect thing here, by the way. So I could get, like, busted, and they could come on in, and they could, in like in a movie fashion, they could show me a picture of myself and, you know, Osama bin Laden or something, having coffee, whatever, you know, some kind trying to make some kind of an association out of nothing. And even if it were factual that I had actually had coffee with Osama bin Laden, right now, these days, I'd say, eh, that's AI. Go fuck yourselves. And, you know, get me into court and let me have software, and I can prove it's AI. Now, that is true of, of AI photos. They're very easily determined to be AI photos, to be altered. And we have AI that helps us do this. So AI is its own 
uh, protection, so to speak, right? You use it in that way. Uh, and, and mostly AI is really stupid. That's what I'll be showing when we get into my lawsuit stuff here. Uh, you know, hopefully Boris is going to get better soon, and then I'll be able to devote some time, and I'm going to try and set it up. It's difficult because all my um, AI stuff is on my machine in the inside, which is a Linux box, and I only use this lame-ass um, Windows server out in the office for, uh, you know, videos and telecommunications and to help run the security system at the place. But um, I'll set something up so I can do screen shares. Uh, see if I can get my accounts on some of these AIs transferred over to Windows. I don't know that's possible. One, the Russian one, it's not because it's a, it's a Unix-based system and doesn't want to interact well with uh, HTML and stuff. It runs in a different way. Uh, but I can probably do chat GPT on a Windows box and do screen share and show you how it works that way. Bunch of fucking around and it's cold out there, so it'll take me a while to get to it. But we'll start laying out the parameters of how to use uh, chat GPT uh, to do lawsuits. So during this period of hypernovelty, you know, if you have a, a legitimate grievance, uh, here's a way that you as an individual can, uh, you know, feel comfortable filing a lawsuit against some of these big motherfuckers. Uh, I guess that's about it. I'm going to get into traffic here in a little bit. So uh, maybe I'll do another one of these on the way back many hours from now. I don't know what's going to happen. We have to get advanced radiology, I'm sure, and I've got to talk to these people and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, like I say, uh, I'll figure out a way to do another one of these, hopefully. And hopefully my device will, <laughs> will not crap out like it has been recently. Okay, guys, take care. Hypernovelty is on all of the Wu guys now, and if you look around, you can probably see a bunch of it.